Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host Rob Zachney. Joining us once again is our fr- our friend. Uh, oh gosh, Cam. Mm-hmm. All all I could think of was Homestuck guy, and that's not your title. That's not no range touch. Range touches Cameron Kunzelman. There you go. Great Homestuck guy. Hello. And King things too. Loves them all. J- uh-huh. I like Stephen King. I like web comics that I'm not familiar with. I like uh CRPGs. It's uh, that's uh, all of the varieties of human experience. William James wrote that. Doesn't like game studies. Most uh, of them no, are I do fine. like that too. <laughs> uh we also we also welcome uh, our friend from PC Games N, Ian Boudreau. Hey guys. So today we're going to be discussing Black Matters uh, Hell Let Loose, which is a squad based World War II first person shooter. Uh, Ian, your review for PC Games N got me curious about this game. And uh, I had I had checked out very briefly in early access, but your review sort of convinced me it was time to give it another look. Uh, What is Hell Let Loose? What traditions is it operating in? So Hell Let Loose is a 50 versus 50 <clears throat> multiplayer uh, World War II themed first person shooter, right? Uh, so you'll drop in, you are immediately placed in a squad as soon as you've uh, picked a server and uh, you're, you'll go to war on one of several uh, kind of amazingly realized uh, maps in either France or now that the uh, full release has uh, arrived. Uh, there's two Eastern Europe maps as, or Eastern uh, front maps in Russia as well. Um, what is, uh, so the modes are pretty instantly recognizable as something that you'll uh, have played in battlefield like domination or conquest. Um, but the uh, reliance on uh, squad teamwork and leadership, I think is going to, maybe be a hurdle for people to get over if they're coming right from those games, because uh, this is, this really is a game that you, you can't play as a lone wolf whatsoever. Uh, So it, it, it's going to feel like a mill sim at first, but I don't think it is. And we can talk about that later, but, um, but that's basically the gist of it. It's uh, again, 50 versus 50 kind of uh, you'll, um, attempt to coordinate uh, taking over control points on the map and gradually push your way uh, across a map in one mode. Um, Or uh, there's also um, assault maps where you'll have to defend and prevent the enemy from, from reaching the other side of the map. So yeah, much, much basically in a nutshell. Yeah. A lot like the rush mode in uh, in Battlefield, which is always my favorite uh, to to be honest. Uh, Cam, I remember, I think you and I have uh, been discussing the the military shooters for for a bit now uh off and on and i feel like a few weeks ago or a month or so ago you mentioned that really of the current crop that are that are have uh sizable communities and are uh sort of god not to not to abuse the term dead game but but sort of thriving in sort of a growthy uh mode you did say that this was one of the more interesting ones and and i'm curious what caught your eye here 
Yeah, we, you and I have had this kind of running conversation for, I don't know, maybe six months or, or more, <laughs> or, or no longer than that, actually, where we keep talking about like, hey, aren't these games interesting? Aren't what they, they're doing aesthetically and, and mechanically interesting? We should talk about that. And then that's, that is the conversation. <laughs> and so we have our like monthly update of like, what are these games doing? And that's as far as we get. <laughs> but 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 yeah i you know i do think that there's something going on here and i think it has something to do with what ian is talking about which is the big hurdle with this game which is communication um all the other kind of world war sims world war one and world war two sims that that are available on uh steam so like verdun and and those kinds of games they all, uh, for the most part, actually, uh, you know, if you if you go and play them now, I think it's a little bit hard to get a server and hard to get a full server. That may have changed in the, the couple months since I really sat down and installed a bunch and then kind of went through them. Um, but uh, so Hell Let Loose is kind of like where it's at. It seems like there's a pretty delimited set of people who are interested in this type of game and they kind of bounce from game to game, whatever is is going on here. Well, the other big one even though it's not a world worrisome is what insurgency oh squad um squad yeah squad squad uh insurgency is just another in these in these game worlds they all start running together for me uh but yeah squad is the other isn't isn't there isn't insurgency also squad isn't there like a squad insurgency sandstorm thing insurgency sandstorm is the uh i think the sequel to insurgency oh my god Uh, yes i think squads (laughs) in its own thing but yeah Yeah, that's that's what i think too isn't the threat a little bit myself too but that's also part of it too right is that that when i'm sitting down to like try to see what's up with these games i'm installing like four or five of them and then i'm playing them all for you know a, a couple hours each and they really do start running together because they all have a kind of um uh, related to what you were saying, Ian, this kind of like vibe of trying to hit the sweet spot between a milsim and something that is broadly more accessible and, or at least slightly more, some percentage more accessible than like playing Arma 3. And I don't know if any of them hit that necessarily, but I will say that Hell Let Loose seems to have been the one that has grabbed more people than games like Verdun have. It seems like, I don't know about raw numbers, but I I know about Verdun and I know about games of this kinds of sort because we've talked about them and I've paid a little bit of attention to them. People outside of of the people who pay attention to this regularly, the Ians of the world and the Robs of the world, uh, people outside of the set of people have talked to me about Hell Let Loose. Um, and quite a few people on on the Range Touch Discord server have been playing. I know that that uh, Waypoint, you know, y'all have been doing stuff with that, and so it seems like they that this game has at least um, grabbed on to some things that are more friendly than other games of its interest set uh, have done. Um, but but I do think uh, that big hurdle, that big thing to get over is uh, that if there is one thing that is semi-like to it, a thing that is crunchy and difficult and you're going to have to suffer through it because it is critical to what the game design is doing, it's the communications. And the fact that there are uh, nested series of communications that the game is not interested in making um, any more transparent or or more accessible or easy for people to handle. Um, it is a crunchy, realistic comm system for for warfare. And uh, that seems to be a big pillar of the design. That is true. And it, it, it it's key to what I think makes the game work. But but it's worth noting that there is no tutorial of any kind right now. 
so you really do have to kind of jump in and be the FNG for a little while and and uh, absorb uh, what's going on from the people around you. And it's doable in a way that it, that that not that is not necessarily true uh, for many other games. Uh, you can do that. We, I have now walked through, and, and Rob actually is is one of the people who walked me through kind of the, you know the initial stages of playing this. Even though I played it a bit in early access too, um, and took a long break. But uh, you know you can play for thirty minutes, and you can have a good sense of what's going on and and how to do everything. You know. I learned how to be a tank squad in about 15, 20 minutes or something like that. And the whole system is available and accessible and I understand it now. And uh, that is not the case necessarily with like, for example, a mill semi kind of Arma experience. Um, you can put, you can put a dozen hours in that thing and still not have your hands around all the shapes and, and angles there. So, you know, the, I, I think that the, the strides that have been made here to, to bring something that's crunchy and difficult to a wider audience, this is, you know, probably the most successful venture there so far but you know when someone says i'm not interested in uh talking on voice chat can i play this game the answer i think is straight up no Uh, i think it's very difficult to do that um i think yeah you can play without communicating but you're just going to be losing and not having a good time um it's worth noting a a couple other things that i think are key to the, the the game's design and kind of push it into that sort of mill sim uh, direction at least is there's, um, 14 roles that you can take on. Um, and those include commander and officer, um, as well as, you know, things like, uh, you know, recon sniper and, uh, medic, uh, assault. Um, but you'll be communicating mostly if you join, join as a rifleman, which is what I would recommend starting out as, uh, just with your own squad, which is going to be about six people, I think. Um, Squad leaders uh, then communicate with each other and with the overall uh, faction commander. There's one person who, well, you hope, one person who is uh, watching the entire battlefield and directing the uh, flow of materiel and uh, and and squads to particular uh, conflict areas or 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 control points that you want to take over. Uh, and also directing the use of off-mass assets like uh, artillery or or aerial bombardment or Katyusha uh, rockets, which have been added uh, for the Russian maps. So that's kind of another point of departure, I think, from most of the other uh, games in this you know rough genre, is that you have these, like you said, Cam, uh, kind of nested communication levels. Like a, you have a company net and a battalion net, basically. Yeah, I think um, I would say I think if you joined a squad and you paid attention to pings and like looked at the map, you could probably get by without talking much. But like what you can't really do, like you can't play a role that requires uh, that is meant to support other players if you're not going to be on comms, really like you could you could sort of be a quiet off comms machine gunner. Uh, for sure like if you pay attention to the map and and pings you'll probably be able to do stuff but like if you're a medic you you need to be on comms uh you know if you are if you're if you are trying to drive a tank uh or or even sit in a tank trying to help with the tank and you're not on comms um everyone is going to hate you uh because this is a game where people not communicating uh because because not just about listening like like you do need to be able to explain what you intend uh i have noticed 
you know, from from my part, there is a lot of um, like confirmation of orders. So like you will you will sort of repeat things back to each other uh, and just make clear like, hey, I'm about to do this. Everyone pay attention. Um, and the game kind of kind of runs on that. I think it makes for a for a really fun sort of uh, of a fun sort of friction a, a lot of the time. I, I, I think there is a lot to be said for what's the um, what's the opposite of automating, uh, like ma- like <laughs> making something manual. Um, there is there, there there's a lot of good stuff that happens when you take these features that are that are often automatic in other games and sort of make them a little more tactile, make them sort of uh, require direct inputs. And I, and I think like the place I would start where, where this sort of really ended up catching my attention is that I remember when um, like Battlefield started making uh, you started getting rewarded with like points for every time you spotted a target. And at the time I was like, this is incredibly cool. And I, I still generally think it's 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 pretty neat. Uh, which is this idea that like, if you think you see someone out there and you sort of hit the uh, like mark target button, if there's something there, it will highlight the target and everyone on your team is going to see them appear on their map and their mini map. And so like Battlefield created this uh, system where you could, even if you weren't in there mixing it up, if you were just a good set of eyes, um, you know, watching the flank or, or, or marking targets, you were contributing to your team uh, that you were getting a lot done. But it also became a very easy and trivial thing to do. Like after a point, you would just sort of stand up there and anytime you thought you saw something moving, you'd, you know, hit the spotter button, send a few rounds that way. Uh, and immediately, like, everyone knows exactly where that person is, and they're basically painted. They're, like, highlighted on the map. Uh, pings, and, like, first of all, spotting is not sticky at all in Hell Let Loose. Like, when somebody says, my target is over there, the best they can do is give you a last known location. They can sort of ping that spot, like, down down their gun sight, and so they see somebody moving across uh, like a broken stone wall. They can ping the gap in that wall where they saw those people moving through. But the mark is going to fall behind the the information. And so I think one of the things that I really loved about this is early on, it made even the process of passing reports along uh, to members of your squad or passing them up the chain to the rest of the team already it introduced both uh a fair bit of like interaction in that process because to get that team disseminated or that information disseminated across the team requires three people basically talking uh about what's what's going on with a with a squad leader in the middle uh but two it creates this uh this this sense of like information delay and fog of war where you will see okay these locations like we 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 know that there's some spotting reports of a tank and some inventory moving through this gap in our lines um those reports are now a couple minutes old does anyone know where those guys ended up did they get killed somewhere if the team's not paying attention and people aren't communicating uh 
that information becomes like kind of a a Chekhov's gun, right? Where it's like, uh, gee, hey, whatever happened to all those guys that that filtered through that village uh, and that tank they were with? Did did anyone ever see what became of them? Uh, because it could be that nobody ever like tracked them, and in two or three minutes they're going to appear from a completely unexpected direction uh, to attack an objective. I think another thing that makes this uh, the the information uh, handling piece of this interesting is that a lot of the spawn points are player defined. So as you're a, if you're a squad leader, what you'll want to do is place down a what's called a garrison uh, assault garrison uh, next to a, a point that you're trying to help take over. And you're when your uh, members of your squad are killed, they'll respawn there, although Importantly, that happens in waves rather than, you know, after a set uh, cooldown. Um, but so the enemy's doing that, too. And so that information is crucial. You'll want to be figuring out where the enemy has their uh, garrisons placed. Um, and so, and so you know, seeing something that you think is motion over at uh, Compass, you know, 260 or something like that, it's important uh, to follow up on uh, on those kinds of leads uh, because that could be the source from which uh, all of the uh, enemy soldiers are flowing toward the control point that you're trying to hang on to. Um, I think that's really interesting. Another part is uh, you mentioned that kind of um, you know deautomate deautomation deautomization. I don't know if that's a word, but making things less automatic and more tactile. Uh, there's no indication. There's no like reticle that changes when you've hit somebody uh yes you <laughs> you fire at them and these i think you've noted rob uh when we've talked about this before that these or when i it was in the waypoint uh radio uh episode maybe uh but these are engagements that take place over pretty long distances compared to most other shooters i think um so you'll fire a couple of rounds out of this you know bolt action uh uh, Garand that you're firing and uh, maybe you hit the guy. Maybe he just uh, ducked and, you know, went prone to, uh, to avoid it, but there's nothing you can really do except keep watching that, uh, that lane and, and hoping that, that did I hit him? Did I get him? Uh, you, you really have to uh, rethink the way that the shooters uh, work because you're not given that kind of instant feedback on whether or not you uh, you hit your target. Yeah, it's, that's particularly notable when Battlefield 5 has basically a cha-ching noise when, yeah. when you, you know, uh, uh, kill other people. So, you know, they, it really feels um, notable. And it, and it feels notable, or what is notable, I guess, to me is that uh, it's still... Um, pretty grabby even beyond that right like the reason in battlefield 5 when it makes a cha-ching noise or you know you hear a cash sound in uh war zone or whatever the reason that those noises happen is that there is a kind of game design feedbacky you know uh pavlovian response to that right we, we develop sense relationships with um success in the game and and th this is about that you know juicing mechanics and all that kind of stuff good old-fashioned early 2000s game design kind of logic. Uh, and Hell Let Loose still succeeds despite turning away from all of that kind of 
almost Skinner box logic of game design and saying, look, no, when you do it, uh, you know, when, when you fire on an enemy, the lack of feedback on that is that's the point. That's the experience. And uh, the feedback that you get will be from. Uh, so, for example, if you're in a tank, right, you you fire. Wait, we had this. Uh, Rob, Rob and I had a truly oh my god uh, <laughs> fun fun experience with a uh, one random person, the two of us in a squad, and we were we were doing some tank stuff. And uh, but I, I was the gunner, and I was firing, and Rob was spotting, and I had to be like, "Am I hitting them?" Because I couldn't see. It was far enough away, and I couldn't see. And Rob actually had me stop firing and get into a different firing cycle so that I could hit. And so what what happens there is like instead of the ding noise happening or instead of the feedback coming from the game system, the good job feedback is coming from your teammate saying you did it, you hit them or you're hitting it or keep doing it or go forward or go backward. There there's this way of the the manualization of of the the kind of game design design ideals here those are turning other human beings into the game systems that make you feel good. Um, and so I imagine that for people who are very good at the game or, or playing with the squad regularly and, and really getting good at it, that is probably a very fulfilling experience for, for them because the, the gap between the average player and someone who's comfortable there is going to be pretty wide. I mean, there's a reason that games like Call of Duty and Battlefield have implemented these other systems. They're about getting one person acclimated and feeling good within the game loop as it exists um hell let loose says basically uh anything that feels good within the game loop as far as systems stuff that all has to come from other people um and uh, you know it's kind of the mmo logic right where in an mmo the content for the most part is other human beings uh, especially at higher levels and for hell let loose the content is other human beings even at the level of system feedback and I think that that it, it's surprising and and notable that this is a game that's figured that out and made it um, feel right. You know, they've really hit the right spot there. Right? I think that's pretty hard. I and it's it's interesting too because this is where I, I while I was reviewing it, I, I kind of settled on this idea. Well, you know, this is not a Call of Duty or Battlefield type shooter at all, obviously. But it's also not really a war sim either, because you're, you're not trying to produce um, simulations of what really happened. Uh, but what you are producing, what Hell Let Loose does produce, are these uh, these team experiences, these these experiences that you have with other people. That it's a kind of validation that you can't get from a sound effect or a uh, you know, a little fanfare or something or a, uh, the, a ping of a bullet hitting somebody's helmet. It's, uh, uh, this sounds really kind of, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to diminish the game at all by saying this, but I, I feel like this is much more a team building exercise, like yeah. a high ropes course that you take with the, you know, the rest of your office, um, more than a war sim or a, uh, or, you know, an FPS. Okay, you, yeah, you did absolutely. actually end up diminishing it. You were doing fine, and then it became a corporate retreat. <laughs> I don't want it to be like course, a corporate thing like, oh, that they do it. Yeah. There, oh, no, there, uh, there goes it, Ian you know. shoveling dirt on the corpse of Hell Let Loose. <laughs> um, uh, trust fall exercise, Hell Let Loose. Just to be clear, I really think it's it's magical. because And, and strangely enough for this kind of, uh, this genre of game, it's not been a miserable experience uh, by and large. 
to get on comms and to talk with people. People have been, I think they're engaged enough in what's happening that the kind of toxicity that you run into in a lot of these kinds of games isn't, I'm not going to say it, it's not there, but it's been weirdly, I just have run into much less of it anecdotally than I have in other games. So I will say like, this is one of the, the things that first attracted me to it was, so I started playing it seriously just before 1.0, I think, started. And the community was really invested. And there were a lot of uh, lot, like a lot of great communications. Uh, it felt like a comfortable place to speak up on, on comms. Uh, and I was sort of surprised that my first like eh, 18 hours with the game, uh, I didn't hear any racist shit and I didn't see any Nazi shit um and i was like wow we're this is crushing it compared to uh a lot of games you find that are sort of targeting this niche like you know if you load up steel division or war game uh the rts's from fusion systems but those are unplayable yeah. yeah they they sort of they they just let their community uh like run run wild uh and you know you you open the the public chat there and it's just it's a sewer of, uh, you know, ver- various like fascist types and, and racists, uh, you know, all over hell let loose really doesn't, uh, it, like was notable for how good that community seemed. I will say, as I've seen more people sort of wash in, um, I think as the 1.0 releases attracted more attention, it's become a little less consistent, uh, it, a little more of a, what I would expect from an online community uh, full of uh, full of dudes who like military shooters, but still nothing to like nothing to what I've been conditioned to expect with shit like uh, Battlefield, uh, for instance, where, um, you know, despite all the various holes they tried to plug in their auto moderation system, like the chat is so frequently uh, just complete garbage. Um, I was, this this game seems to have attracted a pretty uh good community uh but it does also make it stick out like a sore a sore thumb uh when when somebody is kind of a uh you know toxic bigot yeah i i i've seen i i think you're right and i've seen less just like out and out you know nazi shit and uh just straight up racism which you know rob as you're talking about is kind of Certainly in the PC communities for these games shows up quite often. So I've seen less of that, but I would say I've seen the exact same type of like bro shit and bro talk uh, as as any other video game. And, um, yeah, I, I just want I, I don't want to present it. I want to be careful because I, I think it is better than the average, but I don't think it is still good. And I think that we have to a fair know, point. hold on to that. Yeah. You know, doing uh, better than the than the median doesn't mean you're a good place to be but still <laughs> exactly. like like on our on the range touch uh discord uh, uh quite a few women play with us and uh they are for the most part not using in-game comms still and i don't know if that's a comfort we haven't talked about that that hasn't been something that's come up but they seem to be very comfortable pl- talking in squad chat and not as comfortable talking in in-game chat and i think that i can uh easily infer why that's the case and and it is worth pointing out that in However many hours of Hell Out Loose I've played, I, I have not encountered a single uh, woman on um, comms. So, oh, see, I've had um, so I've I've played with a couple, um, like at least vocally speaking, like femme presenting uh, commanders, 
and that went fine in both cases um like so so it was overall like i have um like i i will say like what i've observed it's better than it is better than the the garbage median and i think for the most part i've i've seen it be be pretty okay however yeah i don't know how much you're encou- how much you start encountering toxicity uh if you are in some way visibly uh part of a marginalized group it's a it's a it's a game that kind of um you know anonymizes a, a lot of that um but to the point of like just the tenor the community takes to playing the game with each other this is the other thing is i would say when i first started playing um i don't know maybe maybe it's just first impressions but i feel like the vibe i got was hell let loose (laughs) hell let loose was full of like mustered out uh like national guardsmen and army dudes (laughs) uh because i swear to god um there was like nobody was going like hua or any or any shit like that but like everybody was just larping the <laughs> the war radio the 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 war equivalent of cb radio so hard <laughs> um yeah. where it was like hey can i get uh hey can i get a few artillery rounds on uh dog six keypad three appreciate yeah. you thanks bro good rounds uh it was <laughs> it was that all the way down um and but the the flip side of that was team communications were really good and people really were kind of uh playing the game as intended and as designed right there was a lot of uh you know okay bull squad commander wants us to go up and defend this trench line so we're gonna hang loose here uh you know see they think there's a recon squad operating in the area regarding this flank and you you play the whole game uh where you, you would have that sort of context being passed down from squad leaders and i would say in the last week or so it's become much more hit or miss where like I'm finding fewer and fewer of the uh, like, uh, you know, the, the guys who are treating this like a National Guard, uh, you know, exercise and a lot more uh, dudes who. A lot more who um, I don't know, there, there's some who sound audibly shithouse drunk on comms <laughs> or just or just like belligerent assholes at a bar basically right um and there's there's a lot more like there's so many people who are so recognizable from battlefield where it's like hey dumbasses get on the point you guys yeah. rush the point yes. and it's like yes. That's bad for two reasons. Like one, it's an objective based game. If you just yell at people to do the objective, it's like it is the it is the team orders equivalent of like I would simply win the game uh, and not lose. (laughs) Um, But two, you know, when we alluded to engagement ranges, um, I would say even more than Battlefield. Battlefield, I think, takes this uh, takes this um, approach where a lot of times it will sort of silo off parts of its maps to create like a little sandbox for a certain type of combat uh around a certain objective so like an objective will sort of be screened off from a lot of like longer range fire um and it will become much more of a run and gun like smg and shotguns uh type battle hell that loose has places like that like if you're fighting in uh you know inside 
a demolished apartment tenement in Stalingrad or if you are, uh, you know, fighting street to street in a village in Normandy, like it can get real close and, and real gnarly in that way. But nevertheless, this is a game where because spawn locations are established by players, uh, because weapons can hit and be deadly from 300, 500 meters away, a lot of times the team needs to be able to read the map, you know, like if you're, if, if everyone's rushing into the point and dying, the solution is probably not going to be rush the point. It's going to be okay. Where, like, where are we losing this battle from? Right? Like what's the, what's the key location that is controlling the point. And it feels like in the last week or so I have maybe the last two weeks, I've seen way fewer people uh, sort of grok that about the game. And when I encounter that, I start to realize like, oh, if the cooperation stuff doesn't come together in Hell Let Loose, this game is just fine. It's just fine. Like, yeah, it's not doing the things that like carry a battlefield, right? Where it's like battlefield it can be a shitty game, but it's like, hey, you want to wreck these people with a with a squad uh, squad automatic weapon? I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. I'm just gonna post up. I don't give a shit if we're losing. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna camp. I'm gonna kill a million people. It's gonna be great. Um, here, the weapons aren't that fun, and you just can't do that much by yourself. So if you're in that if you're in that game where it's just turning toxic, and people are like, why the fuck aren't people like hitting the point? Uh, then suddenly I'm like, oh no, hell let loose. Like becomes an actively bad game. Uh, when people aren't really engaging with the intent behind it. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, there's another aspect to this too, where, you know, there, there gets to be this kind of, you know, hyper focus on, on playing the objective and rushing to the next place when it is absolutely crucial uh, to some, to leave a couple of squads behind after you've taken, uh, an objective, uh, because if you just leave it, um, you're going to, I mean, you, you risk, um, putting the entire assault, um, getting them cut off basically, and not being able to even take the objective that they've, uh, that they've approached if they, if the uh, enemy is able to take the, the point you've just captured back. So, uh, it is. Uh, this is really the thing that makes or breaks it. it, it it's it's having a good squad leaders to uh, you know to kind of coordinate uh, uh, the uh, the squads, but also a commander who's got the actual uh, the full picture uh, in front of them. And that sometimes that role just doesn't get filled at all. Literally, um, it's the least popular role in the game. I hate it. I I've, oh, <laughs> I actively avoid any kind of uh, any kind of those leadership positions myself. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's just for, by, you an by preference. What's weren't you an officer? No. I was not. No, I was an okay. enlisted. Yeah, and that's exactly how my career played out while I was uh, in the army. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Ian, would you like to do more for your country? So, mm, I was thinking less, not. boss. <laughs> yeah, this is this is enough. Public affairs, the bare E4, minimum. That's that's fine. Um, the well, because I mean, I, I totally get it. And I think a lot of people avoid it. One, because if you've never done it before, and I avoided it for a long time because I was like, 
well, if I sign up to do this and I don't know what I'm doing because it could be hard, then I'm consigning us to lose. So there's a lot of responsibility, like in the learning stages where there's not as much responsibility in learning basically anything else in the game, even squad yeah. leader. Um, uh, cause squad leader kind of, if you understand that your job is to communicate squad leader kind of does itself and you know, you know, to build garrisons or outposts or whatever, uh, the kind of respawn points for the game. Uh, but, uh, but the thing is, is like, if you, if you're doing that, you're be, you're signing yourself up, even if you're winning to get yelled at for the next hour of your life. Yeah. And even if you do a good job, someone's not going to be happy because they're going to be saying, Hey, we're still waiting on supplies, still waiting on a tank here. Hey, need a tank here. And and that could be very uh, big question mark about where here is at any given moment. Uh, and so I, I totally understand. And there's no like in bonus incentive to doing it. It's not as if you get like more experience for the other classes that you're playing. You get commander experience, which good luck, buddy. Like, I, like <laughs> I, I hope that's useful for you in a game where it takes a lot of time to level up these classes to like get additional benefits for you know, the tank crewman or uh, the automatic gunner or whatever, you know, each, each, most classes have a couple different gradations of what you can do with them. And that comes with putting a lot of playtime in. So it's pretty, other than the intrinsic joy that you get from helping out your team, there's not a lot of, of benefit or reward to doing it. So I totally get why it doesn't get filled. And Basically, if your commander doesn't exist, you're going to lose uh, or, you know, you have a very high chance of doing it because the commander is who can give you the most number of supplies. They're not the only source of that, but that's a big chunk of it uh they're they have total map vision. They have all the information from all the squad leaders. They summon the tanks uh, from the ether. Yeah, the, yes, yes. They uh, uh, from the reserves. Uh, yeah. Yes. And and realistically from the reserves. And, yeah, and from all these other stuff, all these other things, right? So it's a a critical um, operation, and it seems like if there's if there is a major, you know, hump to get over as far as what makes this more accessible and playable, uh, it seems like actually that remove in a, in a speculative world, right? Removing that role ultimately, and then giving each squad member or each squad lead some percentage of the points that are generated each tick or second, uh, and then letting them call in things, that would actually probably make the game a lot more just broad sense playable. But that would come with sacrificing that kind of communications design pillar that they have. And uh, I don't think they want to do that. That seems to be critical to the operation. So I think that the co the commander position in the game is showing a really significant kind of fulcrum between broader interest in accessibility and playability um for people who are not trying to do the national guard you know simulation experience um and and those people so well uh, i i think it's a hard thing to to fix or or augment in any kind of way um no i was just gonna say like it, it it shows why battlefield went back and forth on this role even existing so many times yeah yep it, and just done with it i mean battlefield one and battlefield five don't have any version of it so it bears repeating, though, that or emphasizing at least that, they, that the commander is playing an entirely different game than yeah. everybody else. I mean, it really is a real time strategy game between two commanders. If, you know, all things are firing, all the cylinders are firing as they're supposed to. Um, and it's I think there have been other attempts to pull this off where you're playing an RTS with other actual players. I don't know of any that have been, you know, huge successes. And I, I really do think that 
when it's working, Hell Let Loose makes it work. And I think that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, was it, is it Planet Side? Is that the name of the game? Yeah. Yeah. Plan- Planet yeah. Side kind of has Planet that. Side, that's in true. The, and it's like pseudo MMO, pseudo shooter, pseudo RTS with commanders. And I don't know if that's, I, I put a little bit of time into Planet Side too, but I don't know if that's successful there. But um, it, it seems like a few games have tried, as you're saying, have, have tried to hold on to it. And, and yeah, that was what was so surprising when I like, you know, finally, you know, at the end of a losing game and no one would do it. I was like, all right, fine, I'll try. And that's re- it's really cool. It's like a cool thing to do to be like, OK, yeah, I can call in a recon plane and I can like call in supplies and like I can help people out. That's really fun. And it has that kind of, you know, what I was talking about with like, you know, the tank call outs and things like that. When when all the gears are turning together, the the game is doing something that just no other game is doing. And I think, unfortunately, uh, Rob, as you're pointing out, that the more people who play it who don't recognize that kind of gear fit system just is inherently something you have to be aware of and work toward as that's happening. It, that means fewer gears turn. Uh, and so you end up in these kind of anonymous shooter experiences where you just kind of get steamrolled. Yeah. I will say that the more I've played it, the more recently to uh, today than we're recording versus a couple weeks ago or three or four weeks ago when I started playing seriously, um, the number of games in which I have been steamrolled or steamrolled the other team has gone up way higher. Yep. So, yep. you know, I used to have, when I started playing, it was like, oh yeah, three, two wins after a full hour and a half. Now it is a steamroll victory on one side or the other and a big chunk of games in 30 minutes. Yeah. The, um, when I first started playing this and I think this was one reason I fell so hard for it was that, um, the ratio of like really good games to kind of shitty ones with uh you know where, where one side or the other just gets rolled the ratio of really good games is really high mm-hmm. um and yeah of late it's become much harder to sort of find that sweet spot uh which has been a bit of a bummer um and i i i'm i can't figure out whether it's going to be are these people going to man, I keep stumbling into this sort of phrasing. Are these people going to get good? Uh, are are the people going to sort of figure out like how these gears fit together and, and like how to be different parts of the machine? Or are they going to be like, hey, like I hear this game is good. It's not my thing. I'm going to leave. Uh, because the weird thing is, like I think so much of Battlefield's design, for instance, was even if you are someone who is not inclined to serve the interests of the team, the game is designed to kind of force you to, right? Like just weapon kits, item kits. Uh, You're going to be sort of forced into an archetype that just by doing your thing, you almost almost can't help but be useful to someone. Um, Hell Let Loose, again, yeah, none of that is automated. And so the entire thing is really about selling people in this idea of, hey, you know what's fun? Going roughly in the place your squad leader tells you, bellying up, and shooting bl- <laughs> shooting blindly into a shrub uh, for like you know five ten minutes uh, until someone tells you you can stop, and then mo- and then moving along. Um, I think that's going to be. I'm really curious to see if the things that like won me over instantly without a second thought will slowly work their magic on people who are just coming in. I'm a little skeptical, uh, but but I am hopeful. 
Uh, nevertheless, what that has meant for me is I am increasingly turning into every game I, 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 I get into, I sort of look at what roles are available. And it's like, well, they're good on tanks. They're good on infantry. Yeah. But they're not good on squad leaders and, that, and they don't have a commander. So which so I guess I'm going to be taking the reign of Mordor once again. <laughs> you know, I think one thing that could conceivably happen is what's I think effectively happened to Counter-Strike Global Offensive, right? Over the past uh, several, like as that game has matured and gotten to the mm-hmm. pro level that it is, it's basically stratified out into two groups of players that never see each other. And that's people who pick it up for the first time and figure out what it is and then absolute pros uh, because there's really just no space to, you know, get better in as soon as you start moving out of that entry level pool, uh, you're just going to get wrecked every single time just because of the skill-based mass matchmaking system. Um, there, there just isn't, there aren't people, there aren't enough new people coming in and staying in to, create yeah. kind of a learning curve up to that pro level. Um, so um, with Hell and Loose, I can see there being kind of an initial really interest from people who kind of want to play it as another, you know, World War II skin battlefield game. Um, but I can't see that interest lasting very long for most, you know, if people are kind of playing as another casual shooter. Um, so this initial, I don't know, six months to a year, maybe a little bit dicey, but I can see it, it sort of retaining a certain amount of, I mean, what, what characterized the early access period was everybody was pretty heavily invested in this particular game and the way that it was approaching what it wanted to do. Um, which is why I think, you know, you, by the time it launched, it had been in early access for two years. No, yeah, maybe more, Yeah, quite a while. It had been yeah. a while. So th- everybody had gotten pretty good and they were, you know, uh, invested in, in uh you know seeing it through to the end of early access too so so people had there there was enough expertise out there that you're going to see you know the game kind of being played as it's meant to be played um and and now we just kind of have to see how that filters out um like who is going to make it through boot camp i guess well and so much of it is about like people who are um people who are invested in the game you kind of are in this position where for the same reason I'm like, okay, I guess I'll play commander. Uh, you also end up having to do a lot of patient teaching of the game. Like I can't stop <laughs> laughing at Cam and I squatted up to drive a tank and somebody joined our tank, which was fine. And the first thing they did, I went to the observer, uh, I went to the commander seat, uh, so you can't do anything there, but you have a really fast scanning, uh, like periscope. So, you know, you are basically helping the driver navigate and you are the only person who can have any sort of situational awareness around the tank because the gun traversal is glacial and also historically inaccurate. Sherman's had a pretty snappy turret, uh, traversal, and this game doesn't have that. It drives me nuts. Uh, but I understand game balance got to do what it's got to do. You can't have those tanks just whipping that turret around. But so the first, the first time out cam was driver and this person hopped in and they took over the gunner seat and gunner seat. 
you know, it's fun. You don't really have to. You don't have to do much. You just sort of you 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 find your targets. You hose them down with machine gun fire. Your shells are pretty much point and shoot, except at uh, pretty long ranges. And so, like, he was having a pretty good time. And uh, then, like, we eventually got blown up. We get a new tank, and we show up to it in the wrong order. And that's, that's my oh. bad. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm in the driver's seat. Cam hops in the gun. I move back the commander's uh, seat to make room for Cam to switch. The guy hops in the tank, which means he's the driver. And Cam, to your credit, you were like, hey, I could drive the tank. Uh, you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted a gun. And this person, I could tell, I could tell right away. They just didn't, they didn't want to seem like they didn't want to do a thing. They tried to be a trooper, right? So they were like, no, I'm, yes. I'm happy to drive. I can, I think I could do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you could hear like kind of that dread, right? Of like, you know, when a student desperately doesn't want a teacher to call on them. And I almost just said, you know, like, how about you just, nah, like, you know, you can be Gunner. <laughs> you were doing such a great job. Well, I think because uh, we were in Discord chat at the same time, and I think we both said this person has never driven a tank before. No. <laughs> to be clear, we came to that conclusion immediately. <laughs> to be clear, again, what type of game is Hell Let Loose? Hell Let Loose is a game with manual transmission tanks. No other vehicle mm-hmm. behaves according to these rules. But for some reason, mm-hmm. I think mostly so that you could not drive these things effectively solo. Um, and important to this, I'm good at it. I'm pretty good at driving a tank, which is <laughs> and so, I think the hardest like solo role in the game, except maybe sniper. And now even even sniper, it's just a matter of landing your shots. But like tank driving, you really have to sen- have a sense of these things like dimensions and turn radius. It's hard. They yeah, have like big, they have real big. temperamental transmissions. It's it's uh, tricky to get that the balance between. It feels like I'm uh, like trying to work a clutch on a giant diesel piece of metal that, that, you know, wasn't put together with all kinds of precision or anything. And so, yeah, it's frustrating, yep. but in a, in a way that's very convincing. So, well, Rob, uh, very politely began to walk someone through all of that. <laughs> so oh, no. it was like, uh, so yeah, you're going to, uh, well, first you're going to start the tank. You're going to hold down E and, uh, yeah, just turn this that is- motor over. Tanks are cost of life. And, then nothing happens. I was like, so you're going to have to pop it in the first. Uh, that's left ship to the shift to go up a gear. And uh-huh. uh, they started like inching forward. Now, first gear, like with anything, it's a lot of torque and not much speed. And so I was like, and then, of course, you got to sort of gear up as you hit the the revolutions, uh, the right revs on the engine. And you sort of gear up to go up faster. Nothing happens. We are. Yeah. And by the way, the front line is like two kilometers from where we are driving this tank and we are crawling out of base at like three kilometers an hour this is the greatest greatest. driver's ed story i think i've heard in ages so well uh and then and then they like promptly got us stuck like on a hedgerow um and vertically yeah and so it's like you gotta okay so you gotta you gotta reverse so you're gonna you know pop it down in the reverse that's left control to go downshift again long pause nothing happens and i was like so when you're in reverse wasdy isn't forward back left right uh it's throttle 
or uh, like break. So you need to hit W to make it go in reverse to give it to give the engine power and slowly our tank wobbles off the vertical um to to go through this and the person was real apologetic uh and they and i will say like cam i did feel like by the end of that very painful round they were starting to get a little more comfortable with the tanks handling yeah absolutely they they like picked it up eventually and like did a pretty good job and uh, like i and they they didn't do anything wrong no. in this into- in this whole scenario right but this is in some ways part of just straight up playing the game is that there is no other mechanism for that person to learn how to do any of this. A crucial role, by the way, only three people fit in the tank. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like you can uh, move a bunch of people around for doing this. The only way for them to learn it is to spend 30 minutes, 40 minutes. We spent a long time in that tank. Uh, uh, just barely learning it while basically Rob drives via voice commands, <laughs> like like we're using a connect or something. Well, and and also I will say, um, like there's maps that are just fucking hard uh to navigate to sort of wrap your head around. Like, uh, I think as infantry in Hurricane Forest, uh, and this was the nature of that battle. And and I want to say here, the maps in this game rule. Like they have incredible atmosphere. Um, They have really distinctive characters and they, they pose different challenges. Like Herkin is uh, the iconic like forest from hell. Like it is this bomb blasted, uh, you know, heavily wooded forest where as infantry, you just, where is anyone? I can't tell. They're just somewhere off in the trees. The entire battle is in the trees. Um, But we were in, we were in Normandy in this tank and I'm trying to like pull up my map and like read where things are. And I swear to God, every time I like expected a road to be somewhere, it appeared to be just slightly off target on the map. And so we kept ending up like, Oh no, that's a ditch. Oh no, that's a, that's, that's a hedge. Uh, okay. So there should be a, a major road up here. No major road at all. Uh, and so like, we're trying to get this like massive tiger tank, Basically, it's like trying to maneuver a tiger tank around like downtown Boston or something like that, where it's just like <laughs> there's always another building corner. There's always another wall. Um, and so this, this poor person was like trying to learn as I am like constantly being surprised by like, hey, this map isn't quite like matching up with what I am seeing out of the tank. Uh, and then just everywhere they went, there was another thing that because of the inconsistent rules of what constitutes like passable geography uh geometry for the tank um they kept ending up in weird places where like okay so even you even though you just drove through a telephone pole with no problem you just sort of clipped the tank through and it didn't matter um this sapling is impassable (laughs) and you have to back up because the sapling is, is blocking us they hit a wheelbarrow and we couldn't move um yeah and that's uh, that's also a thing you have to learn about this game where it's like okay what non-intuitive mix of topographies is this tank allowed to go over and what will stop it this the the beauty and scale of the maps really belies the size of black matters team which is not big um i think there are five core developers and they've they've contracted a lot of work out but but this is not like 
at all on the scale of a, uh, you know, of a dice or um, sledgehammer or anything like that. This is, you know, not, and most, I think they've almost all been working remotely since the beginning of uh, the development too. So um, (laughs) some of the places where it falls short in jankiness, uh, I think it it can be a surprise because it really does look like a triple A game. Yeah, I, I'm sort of stunned by how small this team is, uh, because the quality of the the theming around this game is is really incredible. That wears it, it wears the really familiar set of influences on its sleeve. Like, um, this is a this is a game that has watched everything tagged World War II on HBO Max. Um, well, in fact, uh, Max Rea, who's the uh, one of the founders and the CEO of the studio. Prior to this game, he had not worked on any games before this, but he had worked uh, on visual effects for Hacksaw Ridge. So, yes, mm, that that's tracks. where a lot of this comes. That tracks, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, and so it like each map, it's not even just that everything looks good. It's that you can almost place the atmosphere they're going for, for from the different shows. The Normandy maps have a really strong, like, uh, you know, first four episodes Band of Brothers feel. And then when you go to Hurricane and Forest, uh, it is absolutely uh, that HBO movie when when trumpets fade. Um, like the the entire color palette shifts uh, and it becomes a different, a totally different mood and, and vibe uh, across the battlefield. And I think... I have been really impressed with um, just how distinctive each of those locations ends up feeling, uh, both in terms of like atmosphere and what it evokes, but also just in terms of, oh, this is a different battlefield where all the classes are the same, but the tactics to to operate in this area are completely different. Like I think a standout for me is uh, one of the newer maps, Kursk. Uh, it is just rolling fields in the Soviet Union um, cut by like massive trench networks. There is there are a couple like farm villages uh, scattered across the map. But for the most part, it's it's tank country and infantry just has to sort of creep around these fields and, and run through the trench networks as best it can. And it feels completely different from anything you're doing uh you know in stalingrad for instance it's just a completely different like environment requiring a completely different approach to playing any of the classes um and that is also really cool yeah I, one thing i've got to call out uh, specifically is uh how well on the different maps you have different uh, assets available as a as a commander and and one of those is you know barrages of ar- artillery or 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 bombardment and those are some of the most impressive things i think i've seen in a game like this uh i remember i was with a squad we were one of them may have been um what was his name uh private uh uh meme lord mr uh fuzzy or something anyway we were running across a field in in foy which is uh you know covered in snow uh we were heading to a tree line uh, just to because you don't want to be you quickly learn that being out in the open, especially against the snow is uh, real bad. Um, you're going to just get picked off from something that you you absolutely cannot see. 
but uh so we're we're racing across this uh this snowy field uh and the forest in front of us explodes it just erupts there are it there's just torrents of soil and smoke and and fire uh just shooting uh hundreds of feet into the air across like it looks like you know acres um i've never seen artillery handled so well in a, in a game the katusha rocket barrage in uh in the russian maps is absolutely terrifying i'm <laughs> i always am impressed like it's it's terrible to come under bombardment but um it's always just something that is i again i, I just have never seen it anywhere else yeah, I, I'm really impressed. You know, I don't have, I don't think, uh, as fine a, a sense of gradation of, I don't know, war shit as the two of you do, probably. Like war <laughs> media shit. <Fair. laughs> like the two of you are way, way more into that than I am in a broad sense. But, uh, you know, what, what's what's really interesting about me and, and, you know, talking, referring back to the reason that I checked this game out to begin with, you know, was this idea of that, there's something going on and has been going on for a while, obviously for a very long time and in U S media in particular, but, but in the game space over the last five years or so where the, uh, the world war one and world war two aesthetic is, um, continuing to churn and bubble and, uh, people are more and more interested in making kind of grittier and more realistic or more manual feeling versions of those games. Um, you know, that's always been a part of the kind of blockbuster AAA game space, obviously with Battlefield and, and uh, certain Calls of Duty and whatnot. But there, there, it is very interesting to me that we keep having independent shooter games with pretty significant budgets behind them, and they want to play in this space in particular as opposed to any other space on the planet or any other kind of aesthetic thing. And I think that you know when you're when you're playing a video game and you're playing a video game of of any sort it's you're always playing in someone's fantasy and and people's fantasies have very particular kinds of uh maneuvers and modes to them and the one that is so prevalent to me you know aesthetically across the board when i'm playing hell let loose is that um you are you are being asked to think of yourself as being very small um that has that's in the squad mechanic and the the battlefield commander aesthetic that is in the uh, respawn timers, right? Fairly long respawn timers. You respawn in waves. It's not an, you're not an individual. You are a, a deployment of a certain number of troops. But but I think you're right, Ian. That the, those uh, kind of artillery pushes and explosions are they they are beautiful to look at. But it is precisely because they are massive, um, and they're so massive that they don't really give you good information which is pretty fascinating. Like you can tell when they're going and you can tell kind of if you're at the, if you're at the right angle, you can get a sense of where they're moving in a line. But if it's coming towards you in any kind of way, you are just shit out of luck. Like you need to drop immediately and hope that you're behind something from the particular angle and that you might not die. Although you probably are going to. And so there's something really interesting to me about using the kind of world war two aesthetic, uh, toolbox in order to repeatedly from every angle keep repeating you are small you're insignificant you're really little but i think that that ultimately is in service of when all the little pieces work together they can win the battle and that has to do with that kind of extrinsic reward structure of 
you know, the trust fall exercise that you were talking about before, right? That yeah. the, the, the trust fall exercise uh, feels good because everyone catches you and it would hurt really badly to hit the ground. Um, and every single part of Hell Let Loose aesthetically is trying to make you think and trying to reiterate over and over again, it hurts to hit the ground. It really hurts to hit the ground. It sucks to have to wait 10 seconds after you die every time. So you really are trying to preserve your life. Um, and I, I just think that that package from all angles really sells the whole experience. Um, uh, and especially those, you know, big events like that you're talking about. I can confirm too, just based on some conversations I've had with, uh, Max Rea again. Um, he told me we, we had this conversation kind of about, uh, you know, um, he, he, he mentioned that, uh, you know, in, in first person shooter games, you're, you're usually trying to be that, that star character. You want to, you want that power fantasy of being the, uh, the, he, he said the Tom Hanks character from saving private Ryan and what they're doing in hell let loose. He said was, we don't want you to be Tom Hanks right away. We want you to be the guy behind him. Who's not even in focus. who gets uh, hit in the head with a stray bullet. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the guy who, who takes off his helmet and says, wow, you know, I'm, I'm glad I wore my helmet and then just gets shot or doesn't even have a line in the movie. So um, I wish that he had said, I'm glad I had my helmet, <laughs> but boy, am I guy. Gee whiz. I'm glad I had my helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but eventually he says, you know, then you want to be eventually become the Damian Lewis character, uh, uh, Lieutenant Winters from, from band of brothers. Who's kind of just standing there as the debris rains. And, uh, uh so I, I think what you've sort of you know, deduced from playing the game from what you've inferred and, and, and felt is uh, entirely in keeping with what uh, Black Matters wanted to do with Hell Let Loose, which I, again, it, it cuts against so many of the, you know, game design conventions that we've, you know, known and possibly loved, but maybe not since you know, the early 2000s. But that's also the kind of uh, the, the problem there or the kind of key structural weakness that I think that we've been pointing out after early access, after you get re after you dilute your highly committed audience with just people who want to play the game, mm -hmm. is that uh, that 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 only works if someone is not like saying dumb shit, yeah, constantly, right? Like that only works if I, I I've said this. I think I think Rob's already heard me say this, but I played a game like last week where there was just a teenager uh, in my squad who just kept saying, "I love beer." I love drinking beer. Beer's good. I don't know. That sounds and pretty like, realistic. <laughs> well, he was just trying to, but like we're under fire and he's like constantly yeah. doing this thing. But there's this kind of weird thing of like, um, that aesthetic maneuver that makes you feel like you're a character in one of these, um, you know, blockbuster war movies that requires you to be able to sit back, you know, rest your back up against, um, someone maintaining the illusion that we're all in the squad and we're all doing it together. It doesn't require like all like in character action or anything like that. Right. But, but it does require like, Hey, I'm over here and I'm doing something. I need help. Hey, this is it. And if I'm like role playing the Joker, uh, that's, that's a little bit difficult. Um, and you know, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I like a game like this. Cause I like to goof around a little bit. I like to, uh, -oh. uh hoot and holler and yell and say silly things sometimes. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, pretend that I'm a taxi driver and things of that nature. So I'm part of the problem. 
Oh, but you are I think that does the problem. hurt the thing. Yeah, you are no, part of the sorry. problem. There's a lot of people who do taxi bits when, when they're driving transport trucks to the front. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no, you're one of those people bit. who makes those normie jokes. Yeah. Beep, beep. <laughs> yeah, the, the key to, to a good LARP is to not have people around who are constantly pointing out that you're LARPing. Yeah. So. Hey, you fellas trying to get to the Port Authority? <laughs> uh, or yeah. LARPing something completely different, right? It's fun. It's funny. It's yeah. funny. Hey, bus is here. Beep, beep, everybody. And you honk your little horn. They gave you a horn button. They want you to honk it. <laughs> true if they not every vehicle has a horn if it has mm-hmm. a horn it's it's for intent uh yep. that's enough for that's what we call in uh in the in academia we call that enough for yep. yeah uh yeah i think so i will say even when it's shit sometimes it's also illuminating about like Hey, why do some people just suck? why do some people just suck at this? Uh, like I think about that episode in Band of Brothers, right? Uh, you brought up the the Foy map, and of course that episode in Band of Brothers centers on the fact that uh, you know Winters has just stepped down from commanding Easy Company, and they appoint this new commander um, who is you know inept, right? Just just has no instinct for command, is bad at relating to the to the troops. Uh, but crucially also just has no like cannot keep the picture in their head of like what they're supposed to do at any moment and they freeze under fire. I have been the game where I've been in the game where I've been that commander where it's like I think you will have heard by the time this episode goes up you'll have heard me and Austin if you listen to Waypoint Radio Austin and I talked through this game we had the other night uh, we talked about last week um that was just the worst game I've ever played. Uh, went the full 90 minutes and I was commander and I took, I'd taken that over because our team sucked the previous game. And I was like, I can't handle that again. So I was like, surely they'll be different with me in charge. And it wasn't, uh, it might've been worse. And <laughs> it was this process of like realizing that most of my squad leaders just weren't talking back on comms i'd be like hey what's going on over there nothing okay i guess and so it turned into a game where i'm just staring like helplessly at this map watching the little um uh like the green and uh blue pips of your team sort of dance around on the map uh and sort of show them going through the motions you can't see what they're shooting at you can't see what they're reacting to but you can see the little motions as they judder around the map and inner buildings and such and then wink out as they get killed and it was like 90 minutes of like trying to figure out why isn't this working like team didn't seem totally terrible like they were making effective defenses they were advancing through places but like completely undirected um but then also couldn't actually achieve any objectives because after a point they needed to cooperate and they just wouldn't um where it's like you know hey can you guys can this squad go to this crossroads and hold it so we can get a couple other squads behind their lines and a tank can go through that crossroads and then we can apply pressure it wasn't even the people like said no it was that it was just dead silence um, the only calls I got were like from a recon company or people being like, hey, my tank blew up. I need a new tank. 
And so for like 90 minutes, I was just like watching this game slip away. Um, and it gets it gets toxic and shitty. People start sniping at each other uh, on on the command frequency. But it was like. I don't even think most of the players on our team were bad. It's just that the whole team didn't coalesce at all, right? Like if the team, if the players were bad, they wouldn't have lasted 90 minutes. The team was good enough that without any effective like management of the battle, they were able to just make it drag on the entire length, but couldn't mm-hmm. actually achieve anything. And so for like 90 minutes, I was just like, have I just fucked this up? Have I been like, I'm just sitting here, uh, you know, staring at this map trying to figure out where i'm going to like get my crowbar in and like make things start to happen and i just can't i cannot i cannot connect to these guys i can't make them do anything the game i just had before we came on here was like the exact opposite where i was that sort of hollywood commander where um you know we were defending was the i think it was the omaha beach map and we were the german side I ended up going into this ruined church uh, with like a bombed out belfry and I was standing up there with binoculars and just sort of surveying everything around and like calling out fire missions. And the artillery were good enough that it was startling that I could be like, hey, artillery, hit this point on the map. And they would put shells like exactly on that point. And so for, you know, a good 20 minutes, we turned this you know, cathedral into this like ironclad fortress. Um, and more squads are sort of on comms and reacting. And when I would say like, Hey, they're starting to, they figured out I'm here. Like we need to defend this church. Uh, more people come flooding in and like everyone is sort of like on comms and chatting and working together. And I felt like a goddamn genius because the things I noticed and the things I called out, people would react to. Uh, when I had questions, like people would respond to them. Um, and, but that required, you know, when I think about it, that basically required um, nine other people on that command radio to play along, right? To sort of agree mm-hmm. that like, yep, he's the commander. We will loosely pay attention to what he's saying and we'll listen to his reports uh, and God knows how many people in their in their squads are required to sort of like play along with I'm going to be a good line infantryman. Um, and that's sort of the the magic and the danger of this game, uh, which is that like and, and I think a lot of multiplayer shooter developers sort of have to wrestle with this. How sure. well, like how much latitude do you have to allow for the fact that a certain number of your player base, even without meaning to, are going to end up trying to sabotage the experience just because of the way they tend to engage with games like this. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of like your more conservative big budget shooters basically try to proof the design against people just fucking around. But that also means that there's only so much value that coordination and cooperation can probably have hell let loose like pushes all its chips into people are going to figure out you got to work together and they're going to do it and they're going to enjoy it. And if that is wrong, if the people on a server aren't doing that thing, you watch the entire game, all the, all the theme, all the gunplay, all the map design, all the tactics, all of it just kind of unravels because the heart of it is so easily just sort of ripped out by the random group of people who show up. 
Yeah, because what everything you just described is functionally we could we could do a little bit of fine replace and basically everything you just said, and it could be about military reenactments as well, right? There, there's this kind of um, submission to the logic of the machine that you have to be involved in, and I mean that's the reason there's not a ticket system. That what you're describing here about um, systems that prevent one or two people from really messing it up one way or the other. That's what the battlefield ticket system does. You know, it basically creates a condition under which 10% of the people playing doing their best to screw the system up will not overwhelm the 40% of people who are trying to play it correctly. And then everyone in the middle is just kind of a big question mark, whatever. But, um, you know, because if you play battlefield and you're playing with a couple people that you're um, comfortable with and you can be on comms or whatever you can easily go you know five times or seven times for you know a uh, uh, kill death ratio right like you can really rack up um, kills and in a ticket-based system um, and if you're holding points in that you you can win um, and you can make good games in that way and the people who are just running around and being big goofs and driving the vehicles and blowing them up or whatever even if they start accruing huge numbers of deaths they're not probably losing points you know themselves and they're certainly not losing enough tickets to counteract the ones that you are taking from the other team so you know that's the way that system works but but for you right it requires everyone being in on the being in on the bit essentially and you know like i was saying earlier recognizing that they're a cog and that they all fit together um you know it's the kind of like taylorism of video games and if you're not willing to play, if you're not willing to be a part of the machine and understand that your little bitty part contributes to the bigger part and to ultimately submit to that, then yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. It, it is going to be at best a miserable slog to a loss. Um, uh, yeah. Well, and I yeah, think the no, fact think, that you do have to invest right. so much time for even the smallest unlocks um, does kind of discourage that type of player like mm -hmm. I, I you're, you're not going to be in it for the you're not going to be getting those you know very quick uh, succession of rewards that you're that you're used to so i, I do feel that there's there have been some decisions made on that level that will um i think kind of discourage that that type of play too yeah so um but you know one thing the the fact that 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 it does afford that freedom uh really does allow it to be a, a particular kind of of uh, fantasy and you know it, uh, on a strategy game podcast i think you know you guys talk a lot about uh the leadership um fantasy the the idea that you're going to yeah. be a a brilliant commander a brilliant leader um and by using the rules in, in you know a war in the east or um xcom or or what have you i mean th that's it's play acting or pretending to be a leader and i what what really is magical to me about hell let loose is the freedom that you that these games have to either completely fall apart or uh, turn into something that that it's this complex machine that's actually working because everybody has that buy in. Uh, it, it really actually is testing actual leadership skills at, at multiple levels. Um, so you can it's funny to say this about a video game, but I really do feel you could learn something about the kind of leader you are or have the potential to be or to even develop skills that maybe are nascent or, or that you'd like to uh, test. So that's pretty unique. I, I, I'm sure there are other games that, that allow for this kind of 
uh, experimentation and, and challenge you on that level, but I'd hard pressed to name any that really encourage it in the way that Hell Let Loose does. Yeah, it's the kind of, uh, you know, what 10 years ago was, or longer than that now, I guess, but, you know, putting uh, Raid Leader on your LinkedIn profile, right? <laughs> it's sure. the yeah. same kind of uh, logic to it. Uh, that stuff's on the brain because I've been I've been reading some uh, academic work on that, that kind of phenomenon. But but yeah, I mean, it's absolutely that. It, it's testing, It's it, it is recognizing that that kind of decision making or leadership like you're you're talking about that that can be um captured by games and turned into content and then leaning really heavily into it so yeah i mean i think that it, certainly things like clarity of communication um that that's a pretty big pretty big skill yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh that, that that is transferable well right? i think you know sort of one of my hopes for this game and i think one reason i reacted so favorably to it is i'm finding it doesn't quite not all my friends are getting on board uh but a lot of people who are like really into PUBG, for instance because like you know if you think about PUBG, that was a game with a lot of downtime right like there was a lot of shooting the shit before like the round got close and you had to really be on your game because the opening of the round it's like hey you're just kind of wandering this big empty map maybe you'll see some people uh you sort of go into combat mode the encounter ends you sort of resume your mosey across the map. Um, this has a bit of that. I think it it scratches that itch for like it is it is fast paced. It is dramatic. It's tense, but it's not so frenetic that like there's not space to sort of interact and chat and and work together and go through the exercise of of playing together, playing collaboratively. Um, and I I, I think. There is a reason that a lot of people who I don't think I could sell them in a million years. I'm like, hey, want to come play Battlefield with me and my friends? No, the answer is no. And I, I know this because Battlefield One. I was like, man, this is a really good one, y'all. Battlefield One. It series hasn't been this good in a while. Everyone's like, I don't give a shit. It's Battlefield. Like, Aww. you know, sorry. Uh, but people like I don't usually see engaging with games like this or are getting aboard uh, Hell Let Loose. And I think that's because, um, yeah, it's very cleverly offering something that like shooters generally don't. Um, in a piece I wrote, like I think in some ways the analogy uh, at times is almost like MOBA-esque in terms of how much it asks of people to know their role and like work together. But I think another key difference there is in a, in a MOBA, there's there's nowhere to hide. Like it's so delineated what everyone's roles it you know are that um you know anyone who's not like jungling well, uh, people are gonna be like, oh, this fucking jungler, they suck, I hate them. Uh, in Hell at Loose, responsibly still just diffuse enough that you can. It's very rare that you you come out of a round saying, like, boy, I fucked that up. I certainly lost that for my team. Um, you know, you have a sense of when you've done well and maybe when you haven't. Uh, but for the most part, it's just a, a uh, setting for those. Yeah. For those cool experiences of like working collaboratively and uh, building sort of a collaborative relationship with friends and strangers. Um, and for me, at least that makes it very special uh, indeed. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. And and they very purposefully obscure all that stuff, too. Uh, I mean, you have to click into an additional menu off the scoreboard to even see how many kills you got. Yeah. You know, it it, they, it very much is trying to 
disincentivize you from thinking of the game experience as all right well how many people did i kill and how much did i you know how many times did i die how much healing did i do like those are not the metrics that the game is asking you to uh, evaluate it your own performance through and your team's performance too um, i think there's some really smart maneuvers there around decreasing inter-team toxicity um, because you can't be like, oh, you're the person dragging us down because no one really knows who the person is. I just know it's not me. It's doing the worst. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, and it's definitely not me. When you were saying like you were sort of uh, intimidated or nervous about being commander, I, the thing I was, the thing that I can confidently say in my games as commander is it's never been my fault. Um, you know, <laughs> like there's times I definitely like, I, cr- I I I snatched victory from the jaws of defeat, uh, but when it all goes wrong, I'm I'm like you know I'm pretty sure it was the squad leaders who fucked that up. I don't think I don't think that's on me. Uh, Again, uh, you know another real nod to realism. I think there in the way that the military works. <laughs> Plan was good, execution was lacking. Uh, yeah, so I, I think. Um, I think it's worth worth checking out. You know, we've we've talked about like Red Orchestra before on this show. I think for me, this is the first military shooter um, since Red Orchestra. Well, I guess I think Battlefield One came out after Red Orchestra Two, so I guess maybe that's the last one I really got into. Um, but in terms of like in this vein, uh, this is this is where I've ended up after uh, Red Orchestra Two in terms of just like a cool, nicely historically flavored uh, military shooter. Uh, but also the thing that I think satisfies me the most is just it is a shooter, but like not just in the commander role, so much of this game plays out like a squad tactics game. You just happen to be one of the units that's moving around. And I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Same. Highly recommend this. If you, if any of what we've said is even remotely interesting, I'd say check this out. I mean, it's obviously not a game for everybody and it's not trying to be. But um, it is something special if 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 this is the kind of thing that excites you. And, uh, you know, you should get your coworkers uh, to join you for a game of uh, of Hell Let Loose. It's a great place to uh, build that camaraderie and uh, do some team building. And, uh, you know, I think it'll really improve your small business. Uh, so I think for That's entrepreneurs right. or managers, uh, Hell Let Loose is also just a just a great exercise. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll bring you closer to your team. Uh, yep. and that's, that's certainly, that's certainly what we're trying to do this week with, uh, with waypoint where we're going to force, uh, Patrick Klepek to play it with us. Um, you know, it can really go the other way here where you, where you lose all respect for someone because they're in insufficiency at, uh, commanding the squad. It's probably not their fault. It's probably the other squads, you know, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I get it's it. probably I get other it. people. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, check yeah. out. Uh, all right, that'll do it for Hell Let Loose. This episode was produced by Liana Hafer. Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Three Moves is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. Uh, you can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. We'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Cam... For Ian, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.